Well, preparing this message tonight was sure a blessing. Saw some things I'd never seen before. Lord, so good and so gracious and so, so comforting. And I'll tell you what, as we went through this study of John chapter 17, it's been such a blessing. And one of the things that stood out for me through this study is the eternal love of God. The eternal love that the Father has for we who are his people. That he loves us as he loved Christ. You know, and we can't fully grasp that, but we believe it, don't we? Because the word of God says it's true. So we believe. And we believe by God-given faith, we believe what the word of God says. There was a time when we didn't believe this word. Now it's so precious. Now it's so precious. The name of the message tonight is Righteous Father. Tonight, again, we'll continue our study in John chapter 17. We're nearing the end of this study. We'll be in verse 25 tonight. And Lord willing, next week will be the final message of this series in John chapter 17. You know, we could start all over again and we'd find all new stuff, all new material. It's so deep and so wondrous. And, and, uh, but I, again, the thing that's really come out for me personally, is the love that God has for we who are his people. It's magnificent. It's like no other love in this world. doesn't even come close. Any love in this world doesn't even come close to this eternal, everlasting love that God has for his people in Christ. And this is fitly called the high priestly prayer. This is, this is truly the Lord's prayer. The Lord's Prayer that everyone talks is a model prayer for us to pray to the Father. But this is a prayer. This is the, this is the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the, the prayer of the God-man. God incarnate in the flesh. And he's praying to the Father. And, and we've noticed through this study the full submission that Christ has for the, to the Father. The full submission that he has to the Father. And keep that in mind as we read here verses 20 to 26. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now that's us. He's talking there about those who would believe on the words of the apostles, the preaching of the gospel. Same gospel I preached tonight is the same gospel that the, the apostles preached. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ with absolutely no works done by us, that Christ has done it all. He's, he is, his atonement is a complete atonement. And my, oh my, to think that we're justified by absolutely nothing we do, say, or how we act, is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, God's people won't act contrary Jane, you and I were talking about that. The love of Christ constrains us from sin. We're, we now are aware of our sin for the first time, really, in our lives. Because I wasn't really aware of my sin before the Lord saved me. And I know you feel the same way, beloved of God, that we drank sin like it was water. But now, oh my, it grieves us, doesn't it? He says this, that they all may be one. Speaking of the oneness of, the, of, of the, the head who is Christ and the body who is the bride. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. All through this prayer, one thing Dave brought up, I was talking to Dave on the phone this morning, and one thing Dave brought up was the word sent. We've seen that through this prayer. And then, and then, following cross-references, now we see it everywhere. The, the Gospel of John is filled with Christ saying, I was sent by the Father. I was sent by the Father. Sent for you and I, beloved. Sent to redeem us. Sent to, to live that perfect life that we never could. Sent to die on the cross. To purchase us with his precious, precious blood. By his perfect, sinless life and death. My, oh my. 
And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. Oh, my. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. There it is again. And hast loved them as thou hast loved me. What a verse. God the Father loves his people in Christ as he's loved Christ. I'm never going to get over that. Are you? (laughs) We're never going to get over that, are we? Oh, my. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Christ brings forth I will. And he speaks this to the Father all according to the covenant stipulations. That he would come and die for a people and that they would be with him forever in glory. That he would redeem them with his precious, precious blood. And then tonight's verse is verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. There it is again. So this is a reoccurring theme we see here that we as believers believe that the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, was sent by God. And in believing that, we acknowledge that he is the Son of God. He's from eternity. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a world, he was king. And the king became a man to save his servants. And the king is now in heaven. And you know what? When we die, where do we go? Right up to the king's palace. (laughs) Right up to glory to be with the king forever and ever and ever. All because of his blessed sacrifice My, oh, my. And then he says, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Christ in us, the hope of glory, beloved. Paul wrote that. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What a hope we have. We've never seen Christ, but we hope in him, right? Because if you, if you, you hope in something, you've never seen it. Right? People say, well, I hope this will happen, or I hope that will happen. It's not happened yet, has it? And the scripture tells us if you see something, you can't hope in it because you already see it. But oh my, what a hope we have. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our hope, our hope is all hung on Christ. All hung on him. The hope of our eternal soul is hung on Christ. Our joy, our peace, our love is hung on Christ. He's our wisdom, sanctification, redemption, our justification. He's our atonement. He's our sacrifice. My, oh my. He's our high priest. He's our prophet, priest, and king. He's our redeemer. He's our Lord. And it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? My. And this is actually an amazing portion of Scripture. This whole John 17 has just been absolutely amazing. And from, from 20 to 26 here, Christ is praying for, for we who believe now. We who will believe on the words of the apostles. He's also praying for all the elect of all the ages, as we see with some of the verbiage that are in these verses as well. But, but he's praying for, look at verse Look at verse 20. Neither prayer for these alone, not being the apostles, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Through the preaching of the gospel. My, oh my. All the elect of all the ages shall be gathered up together in glory. Let's read verse 25 again. We'll see 
brought forth here before us one of the great titles and glorious titles of our great God. O righteous Father. What a title. Do you know this is the only place where this appears in Scripture? The only place where this title appears in Scripture. He says, the world hath not known thee. So look at those words. The world does not know. Before the Lord saved us, we didn't know him. We didn't know him. We were just like the world, weren't we? We were heirs, and yet we had no idea. We were just like the world. That's why you hear us preachers say you couldn't tell a sheep from a goat before we're saved. You can't tell the difference. But look at this. But I have known thee. Oh, Christ knows the Father intimately. He's his Father. And these have known that thou hast sent me. He's revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that the Father sent him. Now he said, I'll send the Spirit. And he's going to guide you into all truth, right? He's not speaking of himself. He's going to guide you into all truth. This prayer has been answered, beloved. Because he reveals to us who? Christ. He doesn't speak of himself. He reveals Christ to us. And we know by God-given faith and by regeneration, first by the Holy Spirit of God and then by God-given faith, we know now that God the Father sent Christ into this world to save us from our sins. And we say, hallelujah, what a Savior. What a Savior is Jesus Christ, my Lord. And notice again, who's the giver of knowledge of the Father? It's in the church's head. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the giver of knowledge. He's the, he's the revealer of himself, just as Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. Christ reveals himself to us. My, oh my. He's the head, and he communicates this knowledge of God. It's given to us. By he whose title, think of this, he whose title is the righteous one. He reveals to us the righteous Father. It's absolutely amazing. And look at this title, O Righteous Father. This speaks of Jehovah, God over all. And the Son sends the Holy Spirit to us. Right? And by his regenerating power, we're born again, given faith to believe. And then he continues all our life on this earth to teach us the wonderful things, the wonderful things of God. That we might grow in the knowledge of who God is. See, we know more about who God is now than we knew 10 years ago. <coughs> if we've been saved for, for that long. We know more now about Christ. That's because the Holy Spirit's revealed him to us. And I'll tell you what. The more we learn, the more we're in absolute awe. The more we are amazed that God saved my soul. It's absolutely incredible. And notice also the oneness of the church of Christ, with Christ. We are made everlastingly blessed and happy in our head. Our husband, the Lord Jesus... <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord Jesus Christ is... The church is the bride of Christ. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah chapter 62. And we're marvel here. Now we know what we are. We're sinners saved by the grace and mercy of God, right? We know what we are. We know who we are. Still, even after the Lord saved us, we're still but saved sinners. But look at this. Do you know that every born-again, blood-washed child of God is as a crown of glory to the Lord? 
and there's a royal diadem in the hand of her God. Isn't that amazing? We're his treasure. Purchased with his precious, precious blood. Look at this in Isaiah 62, verses 1 to 5. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles, that's you and I, beloved, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Oh, my beloved. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. The Lord delights in his people, beloved, because we're in Christ. That's the only reason. He delights in us because we're in Christ. But look at marvel at this. He delights in us. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. God rejoices over us. My, oh my. It's absolutely incredible because we're in Christ. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. And the church of God is precious to the Father, as we just read. Precious to the Son of God and precious to the Holy Spirit of God. We're his workmanship, beloved. Created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus, ordained to good works. We don't know what those are, but we're ordained to them, and it's all in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Tell you what, if we ever think we did a good work, we didn't do a good work. Because <laughs> remember those remember those folks that the Lord said, Well, you done it unto them, but you do it unto me. Right? When you done it unto the people of God, you, it's like you do it unto me. Because they said, well, when did we do these wondrous works that you're talking about? One group said, oh, we've done all these things for you, Lord. Mine, he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. My, but the people of God later on in Matthew, in, in I believe it's in 24 or 25, they said, when did we do these things? He says, when you did it unto my people. When you did it unto, my, oh my, it's absolutely amazing absolutely amazing so we're precious to the father we're precious to the son and we're precious to the holy spirit who is here called who is here called righteous father righteous father my now how can we be in the presence of the righteous father only clothed in the righteousness of christ that's the only way there's not a stitch of anything we put in that perfect coat. That perfect coat of righteousness comes from Christ and what he's done for us. There's not a stitch of our works. In it. If there was, it's ruined. It's all by him. All by him and him alone. His perfect. So we're now clothed with his perfect righteousness. So when God the Father looks upon us, he sees us clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And we say, Hallelujah. What a Savior is Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's read verse 25 again. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, that these, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Take note here. There's a division in this verse. There's a division of two parties. This is what, <laughs> I didn't see this until today. <laughs> and when I did, oh my goodness. Look at this. There's a division right here in this verse. Two different parties are spoken of in this verse. First, there's the world. Then there's the church. Let's read it again. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And take note what divides them. This is what really came out for me today. 
Take note what divides them. Well, first we see the world hath not known thee. Then we see, but I have known thee. Christ speaking of himself. And then we see the word spoken of the church. And these have known that thou hast sent me. There is a division between two parties and who's set in the middle. Christ, Jesus, our Lord. Only he has made us to differ, beloved. Only he has made us to differ. The only, divi- the only reason there's a division between the world there and between the church is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then I was reading in John 19. Let's turn over there quick. I was reading this today. This just... Uh, afterwards, after I finished studying this passage, I kept reading to, through uh, 18 and got into 19. And look at this. Verse 18. Let's start in verse uh, 17 of John chapter 19. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Gogatha. Now remember, one thief is going to be saved by the grace of God, Right? And one thief is going to be left in his sins. Who's in the midst? Oh my, look at this. Where they crucified him and two others with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. Who made you to differ? And what do you have that you didn't receive? Jesus in the midst. He's the great divider. He's the great divider, beloved. Oh, my. Turn now, if you would, quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. My, oh, my. And, and when he says, and these have known that thou hast sent me, he's speaking of all the elect of all the ages, beloved. So first he speaks of the world who will be left in their sins, and then he speaks of, of those, and these have known that thou hast sent me, meaning all the elect of all the ages, And the only one dividing them is Christ. And think of this. It's his precious, precious blood that we're ransomed by, as Brother Travis preached on 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 Sunday. It's only his blood covering us. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, the Father says. Right? Well, we're, we're covered in the blood of Christ, beloved. That wrath of God has already fallen on our substitute in our place. It's absolutely amazing. What stands between the world and the church in this verse? But I have known thee, Christ. Christ. Christ himself coming between two parties. Thinking about, think this, think of this. Like the fiery cloud, the pillar. Remember the pillar of fire? It divided, it divided the Egyptians, picture of the world, from God's people. One saw light, the other side saw darkness. My, oh my. And the only one who made them differ was Christ. In Christ alone. My, oh my. Wonders of wonders. To have Christ between us and the world, this is the best form of separation. I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And this so ties into this verse over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, which brings forth the discriminating grace of God, right? We, we call it God's distinguishing grace, okay? And the word differ there, we're going to see what it means in the Greek, but let's read the verse first. It says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? Who makes, who makes you and I to differ from our family members who are still dead in trespasses and sins? This. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as thou, thou hadst not received it? So we can't glory in anything, beloved, with regards to salvation. Because Christ has done it all. He's done it all. Now, see that word differ there? It means to separate thoroughly in the Greek. That is, Literally to withdraw from. We've been withdrawn from the world. We're in the world still, but we've been withdrawn. We've been separated. Literally separated by the Father from the world. 
And figuratively, it means to discriminate by deciding. God has distinguished us from our fellow man by his grace and his mercy in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing? And let's read our verse again with that in mind. Let's, let's see, look at the distinction that's being made. And the only one who's made us to differ is God and God alone. Look at this. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. And that's by a saving knowledge. They don't have him revealed. He hasn't revealed himself to them. But look at this. But I've known thee. So Christ says, I've known you. And what's the only reason we know? God. is because of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit, who was sent by Christ, has revealed him to us. Look at this. And these have known that thou hast sent me by the grace and by the mercy of God, beloved. Again, we just say hallelujah, don't we? This is absolutely incredible. Right here before us, we see God's discriminating grace, God's distinguishing grace between his church and the world and the knowledge that his people have of him compared to the world's knowledge of him. The world don't have no knowledge of him. Now, I had a God of my imagination when I was in religion, but I did not know the God of the Bible. Was it so for you? My, oh, my. And, and our Lord says here, O righteous Father, said Jesus, this world, the world hath not known thee, but I've known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And we know those he's speaking of is his church. Because we know in verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So he's preaching for the whole, he's, he's praying for the whole church, beloved. Old Testament saints and new. My, oh my. And note also that he was called the righteous one, right? The demons call him the holy one of God. He who is, he who is titled that, the prince of peace, God incarnate in the flesh, the holy one of God addresses the father, in this, this verse is, O righteous Father. O righteous Father. Think of the free grace of God on display to the people of God in this verse. It's absolutely magnificent. One group, the world, he leaves shut up in their unbelief. And I marvel. I, I, all, I, I, want, I want us this week just to think about, just I don't want us to lull in what we were and where we were, but just think of how much darkness we were in and how now Christ has revealed himself to us. We were groping around in the dark, beloved, and he's revealed himself to us. He didn't leave us shut up in unbelief. He didn't leave us shut up in the darkness. No, he revealed his son to us. Now we walk in the light. Now we walk in the light, beloved. We walk in the light of his word. Right? And he lights the path in this life for us. He lights the path for us, beloved. Oh, my. So he leaves one group shut up in the unbelief of their own minds by, by the fallen Adam. And the other group, the church, those who know that he was sent by the Father, he regenerates. Gives them faith to believe on. Saves their soul. He saved our soul at Calvary already, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, my. My, oh, my. He reveals himself to them in Christ, having chosen them in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father. What a title. And oh, righteous Father. Pink brings forth that this has a double force. First, God is not only merciful, but just in glorifying the elect, and his grace reigns through righteousness. It, it expressed the Savior's confidence in the justice of the Father, Pink says, that he would do all things well. And then John Brown comments this way. He brings forth that Christ was asking for what he was entitled to according to the stipulation of the eternal covenant of grace. Justice required that his request should be granted. And he calls our Father righteous because our Father is righteous. He's holy. And then he's our Father, beloved. He's our Father. Like that prodigal son, that's who we are. 
And the father said, bring forth the best robe. And that's the righteousness of Christ. And he clothes us in it. We don't clothe ourselves in it. He clothes us in it. And he says, come feast. My son who was lost is saved. He's saved. Rejoice. The angels in heaven rejoice. My, oh my. It's wonderful. And also notice that the Lord Jesus Christ here in this verse speaks of a personal knowledge of God the Father. And, and, and then he says again in the latter part of this verse, for the third time just in this section, that he was sent by God to this earth. And we know why, right? We know why, because he was, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he said, I've not come to, I've not come to uh, heal the, the, the righteous, but the sick. And that's us, sin sick. We're sin sick. He, come, he, he healed us, beloved. By his stripes we're healed. And I don't mean some wacko word of faith healing. My, oh my. We're saved from our sins, beloved. By his stripes we're healed. By his shed blood we're healed. It's absolutely wonderful. Oh, our God's so merciful. He's, so, he's just. He's just righteous. But he's merciful, Father. Oh, my. Let's read that verse again. Oh, righteous Father. Just, he's just, he's righteous Father. He's our Father. We're his adopted children, beloved. Right? He chose us. When someone goes to an adopted child, they choose that child, don't they? They choose to adopt that child. Bring him into their family. Right? God adopted us, beloved. My, oh, my. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Now our God, we see here, is both a just God, he's righteous, and he's a savior. He's merciful. He's our Father. He sent the, the Spirit, and because we're sons, because we were chosen by God, he sends the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father! Oh, my, we call Father. Oh, Father, have mercy upon me. It's wonderful. So he's not just a righteous, our righteous God, but he's our Father. He's our Father. Now, if we're born again, now, if we're born again, and because of that, we now know God sent Christ. If we're born again, we now know that God sent Christ into this world. We didn't know that before. We didn't know that he was sent to save us from our sins. Because I didn't really know what sins were. Did you? I thought just those wicked people in jail. Well, they're a bunch of sinners. You want to see a real sinner? I know a couple of people down the street, real sinners. Huh. And then we find out, no, we're the ones who Christ died for. See, when the Holy Spirit reveals to us our sinnership, we, we have nowhere to go but to cry out like the publican, God be merciful to me, the sinner. We're not looking around at other people anymore. Isaiah said, woe is me. Woe is me. He'd been going around saying, what was that person? What was that person? Just like we did before we were saved. And he said, woe is me. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But he's saying, woe is me. My, oh my. My, oh my. What a savior. What a redeemer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So now we cry, he sent, he sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, and now we cry, Abba, Father. Therefore, this title of our Heavenly Father is wonderful to the body of Christ. We've tasted, haven't we? We've tasted that the Lord is gracious. We have. We've, we've, we've truly tasted that, that He's gracious, that He's full of mercy, that He's gracious to His people in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, all because of the perfect sin work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He completed the work of our salvation, perfectly. 
it is finished. It is perfect. If something, you've heard me say this many times, but I'm going to keep repeating this. If something's perfect, there's nothing that needs to be added to it. It's perfect. Christ's work was perfect in the salvation of those who the Father gave him. And so each of us who are believers, we can now rejoice that we have a perfect salvation, not by anything we've done, but all by what Christ has done. All by what he's done. He lived the perfect life. Think of that. When he was fulfilling the law of God, when he said, suffer it, suffer it to be done for righteousness' sake when he was baptized, he was fulfilling the law of God. He's sinless. He's doing it for you and I, beloved. And for all the elect that, that were in the Old Testament and all the elect that were in the New Testament. And all who shall be saved to the end of the age. He's living that perfect life for us. And then he goes to the cross, having obeyed God's law fully, he goes and dies, has our sin placed upon him, right? My. And yet he's still sinless. He's still spotless. And he's bearing the wrath of God that's due me. And due you, beloved. He's bearing it there on Calvary's cross in our room and place. And he just cries, it is finished. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Right there. Right there on that spot. At that exact second, it's finished. And then God raises him from the dead for our justification. Oh, see, death had no claim on him. It can't hold him, can it? And so that's why death has no sting anymore, beloved. Because... It can't hold the saint that dies. It goes right to glory. Oh, my. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. What a great God we have. And if we truly know him, then we know what is brought forth in this wonderful title of God being called Righteous Father. Right, and what a, what a remarkable combination. The righteousness of God, and he is the father of his people. My, he can be the judge, because he's righteous, he's perfect, he's holy. Right? And he's righteous because he's holy, beloved. My, oh my, all his attributes just form into one, right? They all blend together. Oh, he's so holy, beloved. He's so holy. We don't understand his holiness. He's absolutely holy. He's so holy that we have to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ just to be in his presence. And how can the judge and the father be found in one? Righteous father. That's how. God, a righteous God, and a savior. My. Man, oh my, oh my. He's both a just God and a Savior. You notice that this knowledge that God has sent Christ and the fact that God is both righteous and a father to his people is not common knowledge. The world don't know anything about it. It's not common knowledge. Not at all. Not at all. Look at the verse. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. They don't have a clue about this. They don't have a clue. Did we have a clue before the Lord saved us? We might have heard. We might have heard. Oh, God's in the heavens, and but I, you know, I remember hearing. Oh, He loves everyone. No, He don't love everyone. He loves His people in Christ. He's benevolent to everyone in the world. But his love is set upon his people in Christ. And anyone outside of Christ, there's no love for them. My, oh, my. But look at this. 
O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I've known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. So he, he, he gives us the knowledge by grace and mercy. He reveals himself, and then he gives us the knowledge that he was sent by the Father, and we believe it by God-given faith. So what can we conclude? Salvations of the Lord. <laughs> from, from Alpha to Omega, right? From beginning to end, everything in between, it's all of the Lord. It's all him. It's all him. It's all him. <clears throat> so this knowledge that God has sent Christ, and he's both righteous and a father to his people, is not common knowledge. Because we see there, the world hath not known thee. The heathen in the world at that time, and the unbelievers of our time in this world, know nothing of God, who is our righteous father. They may have a God cooked up in their imagination, like most of us did in religion, but it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the righteous father. It's God who they can try to manipulate and bend, gang up on in prayer. Oh, my. My, oh, my. And the false gods of old, the Roman gods, they were, they were, they were monsters of iniquity. The Greek gods, they were monsters of iniquity, beloved. My, oh, my. You know what? And it's the same today of man-made gods. They're monsters of iniquity. Listen to what Spurgeon said during this time. I found this very interesting. And, and we will see that it's so today. Listen to what he wrote. He said, The Christian world does not know God as a righteous father. Skeptics labeled as thinkers in the Christian world fields reject the evangelical idea of God and the atonement which that idea involves. It knows an effeminate, indiscriminate fatherhood. So in other words he just loves everyone. But not the righteous father. It will not bow before the majesty of his justice. It's the same today. Same. What does that tell us? Well, it tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Absolutely nothing new under the sun. Man has not changed. All the technology we have today, all the new things we have today, and think, oh, man, so much better. No, man's no better than they were back then. We just got some fancy gadgets now, that's all. My, oh, my. Just look at what, what a fellow man will do to another man or woman. My, oh, my. Man's not changed at all. And this is still true today. Whether a man's religious or not, you know what they cry out? We're not have this man rule over us. I was reading there, John 19, 18, 19 there, and the, them Jews, uh, Pilate said, you're king. Well, we have no king but Caesar. Oh, my. They were saying, we're not have this man rule over. My, oh, my. And we see in this verse, now I want to bring it back to, uh, we see in this verse that the only one who's made us to differ is God. Let's read this verse again. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. That was our natural state. Right? But you know what? Even then he's watching over us. Even then his eye was upon us, just as it is now. He knew us. We didn't know him, but he knew us. And he knew we were not of the world. He knew we were one of his sheep. But, but as far as the world and, and, and we were concerned, we had no clue who he was. Right? But I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Born again by the Holy Spirit of God, given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we know that the Father sent him. And we know now that our Father is a righteous Father, isn't he? He's right. We know now that we never would have chose him. But we praise God that he chose us in Christ. Oh. And we see again the distinction between the two parties in this verse. The world and God's people. It reveals the condition of the mind which receives God's word as truth. Right? 
See, the world won't receive the word of God as truth. But when we're born again, and we're given faith to believe, God-given faith, we receive that word now, don't we? We rejoice in that word. That's why when we get together and we're talking, that's why our hearts are burning within us. That's why we get excited when we talk with other believers about the word of God. My, oh, my. Because now we know. Now we know who our Savior is. And, and Sister Diane, you and I have talked about it. We're in awe that he saved us. He saved me. Oh, my. What a great God. What a glorious God. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have, have known that thou hast sent me. What a, what a distinction. Oh, when, and when we see a man or a woman in unconditional submission to the justice of God and, and trusting and resting on Christ in his boundless love, and we can know that there's been a work done. Because natural man will not do that. Natural man will not do that. Only a new creature in Christ will do that. Trust and rest in the crucified one. And this verse is also conciliatory for the believer in Christ to know that God is their father. What a delightful message to know that God's my father. He's not like my, my earthly father. No, no, he's nothing like him at all. And you know what? His ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And he has mercy upon his people. He has thoughts of love towards us. And that love is not like any love we have ever experienced upon this earth. This love is an everlasting, unchanging, unconditional love. What a savior. What a father. You know how that can console us, right? How that can comfort us. To know that God forgives us in Christ, just as the father in the, in the prodigal son narrative, just as the father just welcomed back that son, that God welcomes us back to. After our fallen Adam, he welcomes us back in Christ, puts the best robe upon us, accepts us, fully accepts us. Right now, beloved, when you go home, think about this. Right now, we are fully accepted by the father in the beloved, in Christ. And there's nothing going to change that. See, when we were in religion, we were told, oh, if you do this and you do that and you do this, oh, God won't, he won't favor you. Oh, and I remember, I remember being tormented in religion, thinking, oh, this must be happening because God's, God's mad at me. Now, he disciplines his people. He does. But he does it in love. God's not mad at us, beloved. His wrath towards us has been appeased at Calvary's cross. It is gone. It is so far gone that he will never remember our sins against us. That is absolutely incredible. And remember that prodigal son, he wasted his inheritance, didn't he? He wasted away his inheritance. What did the father do? He, ran, he actually ran, ran. He saw him. He'd been looking for him. He'd been watching for him. And there comes that, think of that, there's a dot in the road. And he's getting closer and he goes, that's my son. And he ran. And I bet you that son picked up speed too. Oh my. And they embraced and I bet you them tears were just flowing. And he said, Father, forgive me. And the father's like, you're my son. He didn't even mention anything that the son had done. He said, bring the best robe. Put it on. Let's get a feast. My son that was lost is now saved. My, what a savior we have, beloved. And we cannot be in, but be in awe and wonder that our heavenly father has forgiven us all our sins in Christ. I mean, everyone. And has accepted Christ's blood and sacrifice as a ransom of our souls. This is truly amazing. And then to learn that all this is done without a violation of his justice. 
That's why the scripture says he's a just God. His, his, his law was not violated. It was upheld. His justice did not go unsatisfied. It was satisfied in Christ. There was no violation of his law and justice, beloved. He didn't just wink at our sin and say, okay. No, he sent his son to die for us. That his law might be fulfilled and that his justice might be satisfied. Wonder of wonders. God did that for me? God did that for us, beloved? Sent his son to die for us? Wonder of wonders. Christ was sent by the Father to perfectly fulfill the law and justice of God in our room and place. And he's both a just God, and which is righteous, and a Savior, Father. He's a righteous Father to his people by adoption. What does this wonderful salvation cause us to do? <laughs> we rejoice, don't we? We rejoice in this wondrous salvation. And it causes us to worship. It causes us to adore God for the wondrous things he's done for us. It causes us to cry out that our Savior, he's a wonderful, merciful Savior. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We now, we now exalt the name that we once used in vain. Oh my. Only God can take a rebel and turn him into one who praises him. That's the work of God. He's the only one who can do that. And, and we, we're going we're gonna to worship and adore him for the rest of our lives on this earth, and then we're going to spend eternity worshiping him and praising his mighty name for what he's done for us. And think of these words of Jesus. I have known thee. He's speaking to the Father, the grand character of the Father. He knows the Father. He knows him better than anyone. The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they know each other like like no other know each other. He says, I've known thee. He knows him as the righteous father. He's so dear to our Lord. Oh my. And he died. He died that the father might be called still the righteous father. Saving us from our sins without any violation to his justice or his law. And now we have fellowship with Christ. And now we know the righteous Father. Now we know that he sent Christ. Now we are in wonder and awe that he saved us. And don't we grow? Don't we grow in wonder and awe more and more every day <laughs> when we just think upon him, when we think upon what he's done for us? And this knowledge of our righteous Father comes to us by a teacher. Christ declared the righteous Father. He declared the righteous Father in his life because he fulfilled his law for us. He's, he's truth and grace incarnate. He's full of grace. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he declared the righteous father in his death. In his death. And that was, that, that was where he really glorified the father, isn't it? Fulfilling his law. Saving his people. Saving every single sheep. Not one lost. Every single sheep. A number that no man can number. Saving every one of them upon that cross. Redeeming them. Obtaining eternal salvation for them. And crying, it's finished. The work done. Salvation of the Lord. And also, God has declared the righteous Father by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. He comes in and he regenerates dead sinners. He makes us alive in Christ. He makes us alive in Christ. And he gives us faith to believe on Christ. The one we didn't believe in before. Now, now here we are. We're praising God. We're worshiping God. We say hallelujah. And when we say praise ye the Lord, that's that's. Hallelujah. The Hebrew hallelujah is praise ye the Lord. Oh, we praise him, don't we? And I don't care the charismatics and all that. I'm not going to stop saying hallelujah just because they take it and, and run off with it. I'm not going to stop saying that. 
I'm not going to stop saying praise the Lord just because some group has taken it and, and used it in a, in, a, in a way that, oh, anyways. I'm going to praise the Lord, are you? Let's praise the Lord together. Let's praise him together. Oh, my. Let's give him all the glory together. Let's read verse 25 again. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. So the love of God for his people and the discovery of it is all by the grace of God. It's, all by, it's truly amazing that we know that God's, God's love has been set upon us. Think of that. It's truly amazing to now know that God's love has been set upon us from eternity. He's loved, he's loved this old worm sinner from eternity. And, and, and that I was saved 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross. And then that which, that which occurred back then now becomes, now becomes a reality in my life by the regenerating power of God, the Holy Spirit. Give me faith to believe on Christ. That's what he does. See, we preachers, we're preaching about something already done. The work's finished. We're telling, we're telling sinners. Uh, see, see, I'm like a man that found bread. I'm like a starving man that found bread. And I want to tell other people who are starving, look at this bread. This is the bread of life. His name's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only savior of sinners. There's no other way for a sinner to be saved. No, not by anything we've done. All by the work of the blessed Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And think of this. When the Divine Father gives up his best beloved, his Son, God, the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, when he, when he gives up his best beloved for guilty men, we, we may well say, behold how he loved him. How much Christ loves the Father by, by being fully submissive to the Father. And oh, how much the Father loves us by giving his Son. And this love then, it must be boundless. You, you, can't, you can't measure it. You can't measure this love. It, it can't even be explained fully. We read what it says in Scripture, and we believe it by God-given faith, but, but we're, we're still in awe, aren't we? And I try my best. I just say, well, God, God's loved us as he's loved Christ, and, and we believe it. We take God at his word, don't we? We don't buck at the word of God. We say, oh, yeah, I believe that. Only because of the grace and mercy of God. So this love, this love is boundless. But by faith, we believe it. Now, if you fully know the righteous Father of God, as Christ would have you know him, then, then we'll learn that God has loved us as he's loved his son. That'll be a reality to us. And think of this. If he had not loved us as he loved his son, he would have spared his son. Oh, my. The eternal father views us in Christ and in him. He takes delight in us as a father does his children. The father delights in the children. God the father loves his son infinitely, without beginning, without end, and without change, without limit, without degree. And in that same way, he loves you and I, beloved, in Christ. Oh my. He is our righteous Father. He is the righteous Father. And this love, wherever it reigns in the heart, creates a return love to God. It creates a return love to God. This love comes through His Spirit. This love is by faith, by God given faith. It's real and it's vital. And praise God for his infinite, unchanging, eternal love to us in Christ. 
And praise God, he's revealed it to us. That we might have hearts filled with joy at this wondrous, wondrous love. Oh, what love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have in Jesus Christ.